It's Monday, May 15th. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. A good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Wright Report, your daily news podcast. I've got four briefs for you this morning that are shaping America and the world. First up, the White House said over the weekend that white supremacy is the greatest terror threat to the nation. So explain what was said, offer you a fact check, and then let you decide. Second, Chinese solar panels are now going to be labeled as made in America. That is according to the U.S. Treasury Department, who made that decision on Friday. I'll tell you more about that in a bit. Third, the president of the Czech Republic said something very important about standing up to a global bully. I'll give you his call to action in just a couple minutes' time. Fourth, we've got a developing story in the South China Sea with a naval incident between China and Vietnam. So I'll explain what we know and why we should care. Later, we close out the podcast with, I think, a pretty interesting question. Folks, who do you think is responsible for when someone steals a car? Because the city government back east uh, just filed a lawsuit saying that it is the car company's fault, not the criminal or anybody else. I've got those details coming up. But first, let's get to our top story of the morning. We start today in Washington, D.C., where Joe Biden made three big claims on Saturday to include that white supremacists are the dangerous, most dangerous terrorist threat in the nation. By the way, he also claimed that while he was serving as a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, he left that position to run for the White House, all because Donald Trump was embracing white nationalism stuff, too. So this morning, we are going to look at those claims. We're going to fact check them. And then we're going to talk about what's being alleged, especially the racial claims, because American history shows us that these kinds of things can be very dangerous, in some cases incite violence. So let's get into what we know this morning. And let's start with what happened on Saturday. According to the media outlet National Public Radio, or NPR, Mr. Biden delivered the commencement address at Howard University which is a historically black college or university, otherwise known as an HBCU. So during that commencement address to mostly black graduates and their parents, so he got into the first of three claims that he made that day by starting with this, quote, After no longer being vice president, I became a professor at the University of Pennsylvania for four years, end quote. But that, of course, is not true. He was not a professor. As noted by the fact-checking group Snopes, Mr. Biden received about a million dollars over four years to give occasional talks to students, but he did not teach a semester's worth of classes in any of the four years that he was there. All right. Then Mr. Biden went on with his commencement address by saying, quote, but in 2017 in Charlottesville, Virginia, I saw crazed neo-Nazis with angry faces coming out of the fields with torches. And what did you hear? That famous quote from Donald Trump. There are very fine people on both sides. That is when I knew I had to stay engaged and get back into public life, end quote. Okay, so that was Joe Biden's claim number two, all right, that he ran for the presidency because of the fine people on both sides comment made by then President Donald Trump. So just to refresh our memories on this, Mr. Trump was commenting on a rally and a counter protest in Charlottesville, Virginia, back in August of 2017. Right? That event included white nationalists plus protesters who were opposed to those white nationalists. 
Now, Mr. Trump was then asked at the time in a press conference about the protest and the counter protest. And he said, quote, you had some very bad people in that group, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally, end quote. All right, and that is why Mr. Biden's claim about Trump embracing white nationalism has been rejected by fact checkers across the board, like Snopes and PolitiFact, as well as media outlets like the BBC. Okay, so that takes us to claim number three, and frankly, it's the most important one that I want to highlight for you this morning. So here's what Mr. Biden said on Saturday, quote, we must stand up to the poison of white supremacy to single it out as the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland, end quote. All right, well, is that true? Because no one would suggest that there are zero white supremacists in America, but are they the most dangerous terror threat? Well, I went on a hunt for data about that. First, I went to the White House's website, think that, thinking that they would have data uh, or perhaps a link to the source for that sort of claim. But as of this morning, there is nothing on the White House's website about this. There is, of course, information about other things like infrastructure, solar and wind power, and uh, also, quote, celebrating Small Business Week with a chicken quesadilla, end quote. Okay. So <clears throat> clearly not critical enough to put that on the White House's website. So I persisted and I found a claim back in 2021. Mr. Biden's attorney general and his Homeland Security uh, secretary testified that domestic extremism of all kinds, from Islamic to white and black, are the most dangerous terror threats to the homeland. And then they said, of that mix of ethnic and racially motivated extremists, white supremacists are the most dangerous. But I say perhaps and claim because these assertions by the Biden White House and his administration get a little bit murky, maybe even sneaky with the data. All right, let me just give you one example. So back in the year 2000, the FBI confirmed that they were investigating 68 cases of domestic extremism of all kinds, Islamic, white, black, etc. And those 68 cases, by the way, were in the U.S. Department of Defense. But here's the sneaky part. So that's 68 cases of all current and former U.S. military personnel. Okay, well, that begs the question, how many current and former U.S. military personnel do we have in this country? Because that would help us understand the scope of the threat. Or, as Mr. Biden said, it's the most dangerous terrorist threat to our homeland. Well, according to the U.S. Department of Defense, there are currently 1.3 to 1.4 million active duty personnel in the ranks. And there's another 16.5 million veterans. And so that means that in the year 2020, there were 68 cases of domestic extremism of all kinds amongst 17.8 million people. Right, so again, 68 cases amongst 17.8 million people. Okay, so is that bad? Yes. Does it suggest a widespread problem? No. So why then did Joe Biden suggest such, or his attorney general? Well, answering that will require me to pivot from facts and data this morning to my opinion and analysis. Although, instead of giving you my opinion, let's actually use the headline and the article from National Public Radio, or NPR, that I actually used to kick off this morning's brief. Right? So here's the headline. Quote, Biden uses Howard University commencement address to appeal to black voters. End quote. 
Okay, so that tells us what this speech was all about. It was not about facts or data, but rather it was a political speech designed to appeal to a voting bloc. And look, much like any politician's speech, Republican or Democrat, it's going to be full of some doozies when it comes to lies and claims. Right. So, for instance, Biden claimed that he was a professor when he was not. Biden also claimed that Trump said something that he did not. And what data show is that while domestic extremism is real amongst Islamic, black, white and leftist groups like Antifa, data do not show that these things are an existential or material threat. And if we need confirmation of that, we can just look to our military and that investigation. Right. The FBI confirmed that we had 68 cases of extremism out of 17.8 million people. And as ever, that is bad and we need to address it. But it is not existential. Okay, so now that we know that Biden and his team were lying on at least two of the three issues, if not, frankly, all three, the question is why? What's the political goal here? Well, that NPR article that I mentioned, it goes on to say that Biden's speech was, quote, his appeal to young black voters, offering a preview for how his campaign plans to regain the waning enthusiasm from a key demographic, end quote. And all of that means this. Mr. Biden's approval rating amongst black adults was at 90 percent when he first took office. But that number is now at less than 60 percent at least according to polling from the Associated Press. So in other words, folks, this speech, political in nature, was designed to get black people back into his political corner and onward to the polls. But as we can now see from this morning's fact check, he's trying to do so with lies and half-truths and, frankly, some pretty naked racial fear. Now, at one level, to me, there's nothing new about that. Right? Politicians lie on both sides of the aisle all the time about all sorts of things. But when you use race to get voters to the polls, well, that might not be new, but it is absolutely wrong, right? Stoking the fires of racial division puts us further and further away from what all of us know to be true in the preamble of the Constitution, right? That calls on us to form a more perfect union. But you can't do that. You won't do that by using race to divide people. But as we saw at the commencement address, it did ignite those racial flames. And I want you to consider this. So as Mr. Biden spoke on Saturday, about a dozen students stood up with signs to protest. And then in a letter that they shared with the press, the students said that they were, quote, infinitely angered and exhausted by the many forms of ongoing white supremacist violence in the U.S., end quote. So, my friends, that's why this matters. A politician is using the pain and the violence of America's history to help shore up a reelection campaign. And some people believe him. Right now, that might not be new, but I'll tell you what, it is certainly wrong. And with that, let's take our first break of the morning, my friends. And I'm excited to say that you will hear your very first ad here on The Right Report. So do enjoy it. I certainly enjoy the product. And we will be right back. Friends, I'm excited to tell you about Arc Seed Kits, like Noah's Ark. And here's why I'm excited. On The Right Report, we talk a lot about two things. We talk about your pocketbook and how to save you some money. We also talk about preparing for global events, like how we could find ourselves at war in Asia. Well, with Arc Seed Kits, you can address both of those concerns at once. The all-in-one seed kit helps you grow your own food for life. 
It has over 65 varieties of fruits and vegetables sprouting from 50,000 heirloom seeds. And let me tell you why that is so important. Heirloom seeds last year after year. Each crop helps you grow the next. But that's not true of 95% of most seeds that you buy. Those last only one year. That's why heirloom seeds from ARC Seed Kits are so great. It's a lifetime of food security. So go to arcseedkits.com. Again, that's ARC, like Noah's ARC. And buy your heirloom seeds today. And if you do, make sure you use promo code RIGHT, like my last name, W-R-I-G-H-T, and that'll get you 10% off your order. So go to arcseedkits.com, promo code RIGHT, and invest in good food and a bigger wallet for life. Welcome back to The Right Report. Let's continue with our briefs this morning with a pivot towards international news. And first, let's start with China, where they got some good news from Washington, D.C., So on Friday, solar panel companies can now claim that their panels are made in America, even if all the parts inside those panels are made in China. So here's what we know, at least according to Reuters News Service. The U.S. Treasury Department announced on Friday that companies selling solar panels or developing solar farms can qualify for subsidies, in other words, tax credits, if their panels are made in America. But of course, the debate has long been, what exactly does that mean? Because as listeners know from our previous brief back on April 25th, the parts and the pieces of solar panels are almost exclusively made in China. So to refresh our memories on that brief, we use the analogy to understand the the concern or the issue, imagining that we were baking a loaf of bread, right? And if you recall, the dough of solar panels is something called polysilicon. And around 80% of that globally is from China, right? Meanwhile, moving on with our analogy, once we bake our dough and slice it up into pieces, well, in the world of solar panels, those are called ingots and wafers and cells. Well, data from the U.S. Department of Energy show that China makes 98% of the ingots, 97% of the wafers, and 81% of the cells. But then all of those bits and pieces, you know, the ingots and wafers and cells, Those are sort of squished together and assembled into the final product, something called modules or panels, right? Those are what you see on roofs or solar farms. But here again, 80% of those modules are made in China. Well, the U.S. Department of Treasury decided on Friday to create a little bit of a loophole. They drafted a rule that says that if the final product, again, the panel, is assembled here in America, no matter that the parts aren't made here, well... That entire panel is now being made in America. The Biden Treasury Department also said that if the solar panel rests on a steel base with metal that is made in America, then that too can help the panel qualify as made in America. Again, qualify for those big tax credits. Well, as you can imagine, these looser, more liberal rules made some people very happy, specifically American solar companies that rely on these Chinese subsuppliers. They were elated, these American solar companies, and in fact, their investors were too. Stock prices for these companies like First Solar and Enphase Energy were up big on Friday. 26%, in fact, for First Solar as just one example. So I'll let you decide what to think about that, but if I could offer you my opinion and analysis, folks, the facts here are very clear, right? Every single solar panel in America right now is not made in America. And that is not going to change for years to come. 
And that's true irrespective of what the Treasury Department said on Friday. All right, with that, let's move on to our next brief of the morning. We are heading to the European country of the Czech Republic because on Friday, the president of that nation said that the world needed to unite against the Chinese government. So here's what we know about that man that some are calling a pretty brave leader. President Pavel of the Czech Republic said in an interview with Reuters News Service on Friday that, quote, China's strategic aims are not compatible with ours and that the values on which Chinese society is built, they are not and will not be values of ours either, end quote. And because of those profound differences, this president of the Czech Republic said Western governments need to, quote, operate in a united way not only within Europe, but within all democratic countries all around the world, end quote. Now, I bring you that because I want you to contrast it with a very different message coming from the country of Honduras over the weekend. So that nation's top diplomat, the foreign minister named Eduardo Enrique Reña, spoke to reporters about how Honduras no longer chooses to recognize Taiwan and that the country was dropping its support for that breakaway republic or nation, depending on your belief. And instead, they are going to recognize Beijing, specifically because China said that they would buy Honduras's coffee, shrimp, beef, melon, and bananas. So here's what the foreign minister said, quote, It is good news to offer opportunities to China for access to our products, end quote, even if that means dumping Taiwan in favor of Beijing. So, folks, just one quick observation, if I can now pivot to analysis and opinion. I think we're going to see this tension, folks, over and over again between leaders like President Pavel of the Czech Republic saying that China's values and strategic goals are not compatible with us. And he's right. Meanwhile, the cowards and the greedy people like Mr. Reyna of Honduras, well, those folks will instead chase after China and their money. Now, how's that going to end? I don't know, but I do know this. I know that history tells us of a certain man who saw the cowards and the greedy exchanging money in a holy temple, and he turned over their tables and he chased them out. And that was the morally correct thing to do. If you'd like to know more about that, you can read more on it in the book of John, chapter 2, verses 14, 15, and 16. With that, ladies and gentlemen, let's get to our final update of the morning. So I'm monitoring election results in the countries of Turkey and Thailand, both of which are very important to the United States and to people like you. I'll be sharing those details as this week goes by. But I mentioned the country of Thailand. In fact, I, I mention it because I want to wrap up this morning's episode in Southeast Asia, specifically in the South China Sea. Because, folks, there is a developing story that I want us to keep our eyes on. It's based on a report from the South China Morning Post that there was some sort of incident between the Chinese Navy and the country of Vietnam. Now, details are sparse, but here's what we know. Over 15 ships from both the Chinese and the Vietnamese governments were involved in an incident last Wednesday when the Vietnamese government issued a notice that it would expand its oil drilling in the South China Sea, specifically in the area called the Vanguard Bank. It's a reef that sits amongst the Spratly Islands, which are a contested group of islands by various nations, including the Chinese government. Well, within hours of Hanoi issuing this declaration that it would expand its oil drilling, the Chinese government sent 10 ships and boats to the Vanguard Bank. They then surrounded a Vietnamese oil rig that had been towed there. 
Well, in response, the Vietnamese government sent five of its own naval vessels. And then, well, China got word that more were on the way and they sent even more, too. Now, numbers are unclear uh, this morning of how many vessels were involved, but they each started targeting each other. In fact, cutting each other off. And apparently there were some very close near misses. So as of this morning, neither the Vietnamese nor the Chinese government has made any official statement about what happened last week. And that suggests that at least privately, both countries are trying to work out a diplomatic solution or just keep it a bit discreet. But what's interesting, I think, ladies and gentlemen, is that at least from Vietnam's perspective, they're looking for a solution, diplomatic or otherwise, that comes out of the United States. In fact, Reuters News Service has previously reported on how U.S. companies like Raytheon, Boeing, and Lockheed Martin are all in talks with Vietnam to sell them military gear like helicopters and drones and Coast Guard vehicles. Meanwhile, the U.S. government is building a new embassy in Hanoi with a recent stop there from the U.S. Secretary of State to discuss how the U.S. government and Vietnam might bring their two nations closer together. And to be clear, that is happening, my friends, because Hanoi is growing increasingly concerned about its aggressive northern neighbor. And if uh, I got any history buffs out there, you all know why. That's because China has invaded Vietnam many times over many centuries. Plus, their neighboring country of Cambodia, their friendly neighbor to the west, they are growing closer to Beijing as well. And depending on how that shakes out, ladies and gentlemen, that would end up sandwiching Vietnam in between two very unwelcome partners. So the point, folks, and why you should care is this. There is a very real risk that a small incident, like the one we just discussed this morning, could lead to something far greater, like a regional or even global conflict. Again, for my history buffs out there, you all know and remember about, say, the beginning of World War I, which started when a relatively minor archduke was assassinated in the city of Sarajevo, and that led to a global war. So that's why I'm paying attention to this region, folks, both Southeast Asia generally and the South China Sea specifically. Because if I were a betting man, that is where I think the next global conflict will start. And that would certainly involve all of us. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. But I've got one more thing before I let you go. So enjoy this next break and we will be right back. Welcome back to The Right Report with one more thing before I let you go. So let me ask you folks a question. If a car gets stolen, whose fault is it? Who do you blame for that crime? Well, perhaps you just said it's the criminal who's to blame, or maybe it's the local or state government for not passing certain laws or enforcing those laws, which are obviously supposed to keep the bad guys off the streets. Well, in the city of Baltimore, Maryland, Leaders there were asked that question, and they say that actually the blame for stolen cars belongs to the car companies, not the criminals or anyone in government. So here's what we know this morning on this issue, as reported by the Baltimore Banner. So late last week, the city of Baltimore filed a federal lawsuit against the car manufacturers Kia and Hyundai. So the mayor alleges that those companies have created cars that are far too easy to steal. And lots of people in Baltimore are doing just that, stealing these cars. Data show that car thefts have doubled over the past year. And it is those diabolical car manufacturers who are to blame. Baltimore's allegation is that Hyundai and Kia could have invested more money in theft prevention technologies, but instead they, quote, 
put cost savings and profits over public safety. And that has had significant consequences for Baltimore and its residents, as it has in other cities too, end quote. Now, interesting, that last part, what they mean there is that there are other cities that have filed these similar lawsuits. The cities of Cleveland, St. Louis, and Seattle are also suing these two companies for the same reason. Now, I'm going to leave it up to you to decide whether the core companies are just these greedy conglomerates who are causing crime, or perhaps it's something else. Perhaps it's the, uh, the city leadership from Baltimore to Seattle. And they have built cities with policies and people who have increasingly chosen crime over law and order. Now, for what it's worth, the Democrats have led the city of Baltimore every year since 1967. In Seattle, the last Republican mayor there was in 1969. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude your morning brief. As always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.